Hello and welcome back to the Thorgrimmage Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me this week is Chris Allen, Alex Hind and Mark Lovell. We've got a sponsor. Wow. Know that? We've got a sponsor. So we need to say a massive thank you to Swaz. S-W-A-Z or Z, depending on where in the world you are listening to this. Also, for being the most Plymouth-sounding word, it's impossible to say it without a long A, isn't it? Swaz. Let's tell you a little bit about what Swaz do. If I, if I got any more information than this, I'd have to read it. But bear with me a second. I think I remember that Swaz are a world-leading producer of top-tier custom-made football kits, and they're based in Plymouth, and supply kits to clubs all over the world. Right, get your pens. Customers can go on their website, swaz.co.uk, and use their specialised football kit builder to create whatever kit design they like. No minimums, no hidden costs, it's quick, and if you need any guidance, someone from Swaz will be on hand. Design it, wear it, Swaz. I was at the game, first time since Cambridge, Cambridge in April, which was exciting but fairly routine albeit there was a promotion was on the line but this was great this was like i can't remember the last time i've seen a game like that if ever that's also uniquely football when were you there cambridge like oh that's not a game yeah. is it yeah. you marked the entire life yeah. around games that you've been present <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no, so it's been about six seven months or so but it was it was great i, I loved it it was um great. well we need to do so normally it's tom right tom normally gets tom you were there yesterday what were your thoughts no archie <laughs> yeah. you were there yesterday what are no, your thoughts I, I, i'm going to be able to offer very little i at the best of times i'm quite an emotional viewer if that makes any sense but yesterday was I can't remember a game like it in terms of that a kind of roller coaster. Anyway, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The, <laughs> we've had this chat so often, haven't we? Another um, opening part of the game where we're pretty rubbish and um, we switch off at the back and the opposition, I gifted, gifted a goal, Chris. And um, being in the stadium, it's even more frustrating to watch. Uh, yeah, well, it didn't look any better. On a laptop, um, <laughs> it's just yeah. It's, what else do we say? We could just record it every week and just right, yeah. Rather than going yeah. into a break, just say, can we record the five minutes on being a bit too loose at the back, and then maybe focus on other stuff? Um, but we did score more than them. I mean, I know we'll come yeah. to that later, but I think at yeah. some point you just got to accept that this is the way that we've chosen to play. We're not yeah, trying just, to make mistakes, but we're sacrificing mm-hmm. defensive rigor for attacking prowess. Yeah, I think Alex Alex said, you, you said in the uh, group chat yesterday, it wasn't a mistake as such. I mean, Gibson, again, you're looking at him, going, that ball coming in, and you're thinking, should you be dealing with that better? But it's, it was more just kind of five of our defensive players just having a bit of a, I don't know where they were. Yeah, Everybody looks a bit off in it. There's yeah. no one player who decides they're going to take charge of the situation and deal with it. So Gibson yeah. gets caught out a little bit. Not really strong enough. I had to say at the time, I didn't really have anyone to blame. And then as I've watched it back, Miller just looks a bit half interested throughout the whole passage of play. 
he goes to the he makes the wrong choice because what he does is he goes to the man with the ball rather than with the runner who's the guy who gets the cross I mean, he should have gone with the runner because there was already somebody, I think it was Houghton, I'm not sure, was already going to the guy with the ball. So they ended up two on one and then a spare man who they fed for the cross. So I thought Miller was slightly at fault with his decision-making there. And then as the ball kind of bobbles out and comes out to the to the Rotherham player who scores, Miller does the most dainty little skip, which I think was supposed to be a desperate lunge across to block the shot, which ended up just being this kind of light hop in the air. Um, so I have to say, I think it was a team goal. I think nobody took control of the situation, but I could, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more commitment in that defensive situation from Miller and decision-making, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a mistake. It, we talked about blatant errors in previous weeks, Pleggy dribbling into the middle of the box and, KKH passing the ball to a striker, you know, on the edge of the area. It wasn't that. It was just poor play by a few yeah. people. Yeah, Markup, I thought I thought of you being our goalkeeper kind of expert. Michael Cooper fan. Obviously, Hazard was in goal and probably not not too much you can um fault him for for that. But a moment later or a couple of minutes later, he then goes down injured. And you're thinking, crikey, one nil down to Rotherham second choice keeper looks like he's about to go off it felt like it was going to be one of those days didn't it oh, I was just thinking it's good that we've got Callum Burton on the on the bench to be honest we've got three good goalkeepers so that was a that was a, a rare positive fault in the first uh, 20 <laughs> minutes um yeah I don't want he to got a quick another... a quick moment quick moment he got a great reception Callum Burton because sure sent him out right in front of us and the yeah. whole Devonport was um, gave him a great reception, which was good to see because it really did look like um, Hazard was coming off. But he um, yeah, which he off. absolutely deserves, Callum Burton. But yeah, I don't yeah. want to crap on about another defensive error. Let's concentrate on the positives, and uh, you know we overcome a lot of injustice. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto that. And we came back and won at the death again at home, and you know despite the ref being a complete moron and yeah let's concentrate on that rather than the defense when you ask me yeah just on that mark on the moron like both fans very rare that both sets of fans are saying that was a terrible referee Mm. but they i don't know i think they were very upset about the penalty but yeah strangely cohesive response about a terrible ref which because normally it's the person that loses right yeah, the the challenge on Hardy, if that happens anywhere on the football pitch, it's a foul. But because it's happened in the penalty box, the referee t- decides to turn a blind eye. Okay, right. And he set a precedent there, precedent. And then a couple of minutes later, Hardy's been um, helped off the pitch like a, like Frank Bruno against James Bone. Smith, he's he's struggling. He can hardly stand up. Okay, the refs absolutely turned a blind eye, and then the other guy flattens um, Bundu, and it you know it, that looked like it could be a potentially career-ending injury carried off with a stretcher. I compare it like a, a race racehorse being uh, you know transport. You know the screens come. And the, the racehorse is shot. 
Um, I was seriously absolutely livid with the referee for that. The penalty, the penalty that he gave us was absolutely weak as piss in comparison to the challenge that Hardy was on the receiving end of. It's all part of the same thing. The two, the two incidents are linked because I said after those two horrible tackles, which neither of them resulted in a, in a red, we need to start driving the ball into the box more. We were shooting from outside the box. And I thought if we pick the ball up and run into the box, that ref is going to give us anything because mm. he realizes he's messed up. The crowd are on his back. Home park was lifted. They unleashed the spirit of Loftus Road again, which was the last thing they should have done really was. And I thought their tactic was off actually, because all they did is rile us. And we were going to get anything. And we did in the end, the referee gave that penalty that uh, was a penalty. Uh- but it was. But I've I've watched that back, and it. I don't want to say one of our players dived, but he um he's almost jumped to the ground. It was it was interesting technique. I'd recommend you go watch it back. If you see the replay angle, it's um, it wouldn't say it's a natural fall. Uh, going back to those strikers, it's incredible because on you know your fop mob apps and so it says it's been like a seven minute cameo for Bundu. It was forty seconds. Forty seconds between him coming on. And getting poleaxed, and that tackle was flipping atrocious. It was awful, and that, yeah, yeah, but it was no worse than the original challenge on Hardy, which was you know absolute brutality in the back oh, mm. with him not. It was like a, a king hit, you know, with him yeah. not looking and not expecting it. Absolutely doesn't belong in the game. Absolute no go. Yeah, and Shuey was. I couldn't believe how composed and uh, moderate. Chewy was in the post-match press conference. But that was probably because he hadn't really seen it um, a few times and he has a strong relationship with uh, Rob Kelly, uh, who was on the Rotherham coaching staff, who he basically said taught him all he know, uh, all he knows. So that was why he was, you know, I couldn't believe how composed he was because I'd have been absolutely savage to lose yeah, two yeah. strikers and now we're relying on Ben Wayne and Osaka again. Yeah, well, to set the scene, at that point, when Bundu goes off, I mean, you kind of, it's head in your hands stuff, you know, you can't believe it that this has happened again. The same referee, the same referee as Ipswich, and the same two players have gone off. Only only difference this time being they're two pretty awful challenges. And um, Bundu's been on the pitch for 40 seconds, not 40 minutes, wherever it was at Portman Road. Um, but the home, I can't remember ever seeing a home park crowd hate an opposition <laughs> or the officials as much as we did in that moment the atmosphere was quite something and it could have gone to another another direction but Shuey did well I think and he rallied the troops because they had a lot of time together as Mustafa was getting treatment and we we went for the jugular but in a in a, in a calm fashion if that's possible and we really stepped on um stepped up the gear Alex and uh, the goal was coming wasn't it the goal was coming. We were always the better team. That was the frustration, I think. that They were we, rubbish. Not only had they fluked, not fluked the goal, but got the goal against hmm. not even the run of the play because they started off well, but we started off badly was more the case. Um, and when we got the penalty, um, I always thought we were going to get a penalty if we had a chance, so we did. That was good. Hmm. It was important to get that goal when we did. And then it was just a case of, can we do it? Can we keep our heads? Because you're right, Archie. 
we could have let it descend into a battle mm. and they probably would have beaten us at that or we would have fallen into their trap. So the fact that we didn't do that and hearing Morgan Whitaker say that the halftime team talk was about doing it for those two injured players rather than going out there and getting revenge, which is a negative way of looking at it. The positive way of looking at it was let's do it for them. Forget about who we're playing. Forget about Rotherham. Let's go out and play our game and do it for those two. So they did. And you say up and down, we were all up. And then there's, I mean, we can talk about the decisions made by their players throughout the game. Some of them were baffling. Rotherham fans seem just as frustrated with their players as they do with the referee, by the way. Some mm-hmm. of the decision-making and the cards they were picking up, the list of cards they got is unreal. Yeah. And most of them deserved. And then it all went wrong again. Yeah, well, let's put a pin in it. The first half comes to an end after an incredible 30 minutes of added on time. And like you like you say, Alex, um, Clearly, they've had a chat, the Argyle players, in the change room to keep their heads and do it for those two guys that went off. Um, so at halftime, we're sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there on the ground and you guys are at home. We're thinking, <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind, almost an hour of Argyle being on the pitch. And um, at, to be honest, we were lucky. I mean, it was a miracle we weren't 2 0 down. We kind of skipped over that. That free header, which was, you know, kamikaze stuff. And so you, you're feeling. A, mi- a whole range of emotions that we should, probably should have been 2-0 down. We definitely shouldn't have had those two strikers go off injured, but we're playing well against a rubbish team. And then, Chris, we come out, come out for the second half and, you know, it's vintage, vintage Argyle for that 10 minutes or so, wasn't it? Yeah, and the, and the goal, you know, come on to the winner, but the second goal is a high-quality goal. Yeah. I think what might have been you last week, or somebody certainly was saying about Whitaker always cutting inside, and this one was his right foot, I think, wouldn't it? Did he play it across with his right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Which silences some of the haters who were like, you know, he's all left foot and a very high quality ball. And I think the finish was underrated live. Like, I, yeah. We were on the comms, and, you know, he didn't really connect with it cleanly. I think he did it exactly right. He just kind of rolled it into the corner. So, one of the, to your point, it was a very emotional game even not being in the ground. And the quality shines through when you look back on it. So at the time, yeah. it was all just, yeah, it felt like revenge. Finn is as seeing him, probably seen him once or twice before today, I can't quite remember, but being that close to him, by far the best player on the pitch yesterday. Yeah. He, single-handedly, I would say, actually saved, yeah, saved our skin, to be honest. He was instrumental. And I can't quite remember seeing an individual performance like that at home park. It was, um, yeah. It was such a shame last season with that injury. Yeah. He he really dropped off after it. Mm. And he was flying before that. And he just, just as the season was coming to an end, he started to gradually pick up that form again. And then this season, he seems to have just warmed up and he's built momentum and he's getting better and better and better. If he can avoid the bump in the road this season, like that injury that he picked up last season. So interested to see what his ceiling is and where he can go, especially if our team starts to perform more consistently as well. I'm really fascinated to see just what levels he can get to. Now, it's one of those things, isn't it? People discussing in the fan base. We want him. We want him to be our player. And the better and better he gets, you just have to wonder 
how realistic is that? But like any lone player, we do it with every single lone player we like. Let's just enjoy him. Let's enjoy him while he's here. And as we've said before, lone players doing well is great because he may go on and get a contract or get signed by a bigger championship club than us next season because of his performances with us. But there'll be another top lone player waiting in the wings and their manager will see the progress that Finazaz has made with us over the last two seasons and go, I want him to go to Plymouth Argyle. So all is not lost if he doesn't stay. You know, yeah. he's helped us to build and progress and become a And it's been very, very, very rare, isn't it, that we've had a player for hopefully two full seasons um, on loan, you know, and it's been renewed halfway through. That doesn't happen much, does it? It's, it's something we always call for as fans. It seems like common sense, but it never happens, does it? But it's And um, yeah, we should count our lucky stars that we've got him because he was, um, yeah, it was a joy, a joy to watch. All right, so we've scored. It's 2-1 up. And then you're thinking this could be a cricket score. Mark, you've, it's um, you're hoping the floodgates open, and I was right in line with it. Morgan Whisker puts in a hell of a cross crossfield ball, and it looks like it's about to set the Wayne train free. And um, the Rotherham centre back does a hand of God. It was truly, truly bizarre. Yeah, and another moment of madness from Ayala, and he deservedly got his marching orders. Yeah, and then hmm. I think we had a. We had a few moments, but then we stopped playing, yep. basically. And, uh, yeah, mate, whether it was the tiredness from uh, Loftus Road on Wednesday, um, you know, defending for second half, and the Rotherham had an extra day's rest, in theory, apart from the travel, of course, but we, did, we definitely didn't push home our advantage. And, uh, yeah, when they equalised... It was like, you know, it wasn't a real surprise, you no. know, also because of the, you know, the lapse in defending, you know, and, uh, you know, ball, acres of space, cross, floats over Miller's head conveniently and uh, a free header across, Eves pops it in 2-2. But let's concentrate on the on the grandstand finish again. You know, that was a tremendous goal and a tremendous thing to happen, always at home. Uh, at the end of the game, to get the three points and take the pressure off, yeah, take a little bit of pressure. There's a gap now, six points, and we've got another big game coming up against Birmingham. So- I, w- I wonder how much the game at QPR factored into our players' mentality and psychology when Rotherham got the player sent off, because pretty much after that point in the week, it was all QPR, and we were in the trenches as Chris and I talked about, and it was backs to the wall. And it was all one way. And I wonder if because we'd had that experience so recently, we see the Rotherham player go off when we're actually ahead in the game and we think, oh, we've seen how these play out now. And that also helped us, helped us is the wrong word, but caused us to take our foot off the gas a bit because we'd just seen how those type of games play out. And we thought, well, we don't even need to score. So, so I think that might have had something to do with it. And I think because Rotherham just weren't very good and we'd already come back, you know, we felt like we'd come back. We felt like we'd done it. And I remember in the week watching that game and QPR had an extra man, but at times it looked like they had two or three extra men. Mm. And so I was ready for it to look like that for us. And it didn't. I was, I even counted their players at one point yesterday. Yeah. Just to make sure, <laughs> I for, yeah, you know, like I used to do in Sunday league. Yeah, 
I said to the bloke next to me, like, I forgot about the sending off 10 minutes ago because, and, you know, I will disagree a bit with Mark here. I think it wasn't good enough. And I think we got out of jail yesterday, big time. And I completely agree with Alex's um, kind of theory thesis on that Stoke result. I think he was bang on, you know, that we weren't lucky that was coming. Yesterday, we got out of jail from a superb bit of individual or two bits of individual brilliance. Which, we should, we, which we is put good. In a ridiculous, right, is good. But we put ourselves in a stupid, stupid position because we think, were cruising. But we need to decide what we want from this team because there was a long period where we were saying we're fed up, we're playing well and losing. Yesterday we had a rocky patch and yeah. we won with a bit of high quality. We're not happy with that either. Like, Are we just saying we want to win every week? I, and I'm, I was on... Twitter last night responding to anybody that had mentioned that third goal, just saying, like, just look how good it look at how mm. good that goal is. Yeah. So we won through a piece of high quality football yeah. late in the game. I know what you mean that we didn't play well, but that's our style. Our style is to play football and score as many goals as we can, often with players that, you know, are the best players on the pitch. It's I think we need to not be miserable. Yeah, we have to believe that we deserved it. They've almost, you know, I mean, they've almost crippled two of our strikers. So, you know, and we kept on going. We've come over. We've overcome so much injustice in that game and refereeing incompetence, and we've still won the game. Yeah. And we've, yeah. we've not defended well when it mattered. But we've won the game, and it's it's a learning curve for a lot. Well, for a lot of these players, for all of these players, and Shuey, and it only makes them stronger. Um, absolutely pleased with the result. Yeah, I'm delighted. But you know, I watched the extended highlights back today, and it's interesting. Watch, I forgot about those three huge chances Rotherham had: one before our third, and two after. You know, and. It's, I can't escape the fact that it feels like, you know, we were dicing with death yesterday and we rolled lucky, to be honest. Um, a hu- look, don't hit, get me wrong. That we, moment, we hit, that moment was incredible. You got the first half header and it was, it was yeah. It, it, I'm still, as I'm saying this out loud, I still don't know how I think about it 24 hours on. It was mental. It was the most bizarre game of football I think I might have ever seen live in a stadium. It was nuts. And I've seen Finn Azaz being maybe the best footballing solo performance I've seen at home park. And then I saw Joe Edwards unable to string a pass together and was more interested in passing to the ball boy. So it was nuts. It was nuts. And um, yeah, that was there throughout the game, throughout the 90 minutes. But we can't escape the fact that we let a 10-man team, probably the division's worst team, come back into the game and score. That's you know that's the fact. I can and if I will. Look, yeah, if you look back in history, Archie, you know I'm pretty. I'm probably the oldest person here. Argo do not have a good history of playing against ten men. Yeah, and we we got the win yesterday. Let's concentrate on the positives. Okay, yeah, we haven't defended well. Rotherham shit, uh, brutal side. We'll go down hopefully, but you know. We hopefully won't be playing them for a couple of seasons. I'd like to have, at some point, a philosophical debate about when commentators and pundits 
say things like they haven't won here for 32 years. I mean, apart from the last few years, what has anything beyond that got to do with anything when it's different sets of players and different managers? Mm-hmm. So, Mark, that we never play well against 10 players through history. I don't really know how that had anything to do with yesterday beyond maybe the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and we always get shit refs. That's <laughs> yeah. Everybody everybody always gets shit refs, don't they? But um, I thought it was really, really disappointing against the worst team in the division with 10 men to then concede a goal. And we talked about soft underbelly last time we were all together. And I was asked the question, is that a problem for us? And I was sort of ambivalent about it. Yes, it seems to have happened a few times, but I don't think it's a huge problem. And then you had it yesterday on steroids where any team slightly better than Rotherham, which is everybody else in the division, would have taken advantage even more so. Now, you could argue that we wouldn't have taken our foot off the gas because it wouldn't have been Rotherham, so we wouldn't have got complacent about it. But, And I agree with Archie. You know, I said when we got that late winner the other day with Adam Randall's goal, if it happens before the final whistle, then it's all part of the game and not to talk about luck. And whenever the goal goes in, the goal goes in because you deserve it. It was different yesterday because we already had the lead and then we completely ballsed it up. Yeah, I'd like to jump in there again. I think we just, I'll repeat myself, we've overcome so much injustice and refereeing incompetence in that game. We've still won. That should have been a penalty and Hardy... You know, he's he's going to be out for a couple of weeks at least with that now. And if that's given as a penalty, maybe um, Bundu wouldn't have been like almost maimed. It's these these are things that are really tough to overcome. And yeah, all the little things that's shown great character for me to come back and still win that game because that's the sort of thing a young team, which Argo is. They've still come back and won the game. And Rotherham, you know, their tactics, they belong in League yeah. 2. Watching it is part of the problem, right? Because if you hadn't seen it, and, like, you know, plenty of other football fans in my life that aren't Argyle fans, and they were sort of, oh, well, you've done it again. Scored in the last minute and won. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and without both of our strikers for most of the game. Like, there is... I totally get that we had some very sloppy periods. But if I wanted to avoid that... Well, you used to say you'd be a Man City fan, but they're shit now as well. <laughs> like, it's the game. They, Man City... If we conceded a last-minute penalty to Crystal Palace, we'd probably be upset. Like, it's football. The poetry of yeah. it, use that phrase in the week, You've got, mm-hmm. you've got the joy of that that winning goal. If you want a perfect performance, oh yeah, Stockport beat Sutton eight nil. Would you be happy with that? You know, we're no, going I... to make, make mistakes. We're one of the youngest teams in the division. The, yeah, the... Rotherham have been in the championship for you know they stayed up last season, did well under under Taylor, you know, and they showed us a few things, you know, of the physicality yesterday, but. It's concentrate on the positives. You know, we've got a great win. 
yesterday. It, wa- it wasn't mistakes, and it wasn't a mistake coming from, you know, Argyle being... Shibi's always very honest in the press. He says, I will... If the players make a mistake doing what I've told them to do, they've got a pass from me. You know, I've got their back. That wasn't the case yesterday. We just... We stepped off the pace, we dropped back, and we... The pace of the game was gone. Gone. Yeah, I think... And, and that... So that wasn't a mistake as such. It was a mentality shift which worried me. And exactly. I said... Look, I said to you at half time, we're winning this. And also said to the neighbour next to me on the 80th minute, "There's not a hope in hell we are getting a goal." And he said, "I completely agree. There's no. We looked bereft of ideas. It was, yeah, it was genuinely worrying. And yeah. I think so. It's not so. The fact it wasn't a mistake. It was a attitude, almost slip, that happened for 20 minutes against the division's worst team." And so this this argument about us playing attractive football that's got nothing to do with it because that wasn't that wasn't a part of it. It I don't I don't quite know what 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 was behind it, but it wasn't good. I think there was an expectation there that we would, having gone two one up, that we would go on and win the game easily against the ten men. The expectation was there, and that all that mm. needed to be somehow Rotherham were going to be you know they're bottom of the league, they're shit, they're going to lie down and have their tummies tickled and we're going to win four or five one without putting in any serious effort didn't work out like that they showed they battled hard and it looked like they had the extra men Mm -hmm. and there you go yeah there was a little it was a wobbly phase but we've got the win in the end we did um yeah look going back to not don't want to make this all about me but going back to my experience in the stadium part point one the fans were great they did drop off a bit when Argyle did and everyone was getting pretty tetchy and they started to get tetchy with our flair players. And that interests me a bit. Morgan, Barley. And I know why. I know what the, you're probably going to come out back at me with the answer. They're our record signings. They're probably our best, you know, along with Finn, technical players. We They have a higher ceiling. We expect more from them. But, um, you know, when Pleggy, Kundal, and particularly our captain Joe Edwards are having a definition of a shocker. I don't get it why we, the fans, not all of them, but some of them were directing anger at those flair players. I think we were taking too many shots outside the box. There was that. For a team that had the extra man, and it's not really our game, and we're a data-driven team, so we know that shots outside the box, if we're going to do the XG thing, have like 0.02, 0.03 chance of going in. And because we've had a few worldies this season, I think that's planted the seed in people's head that that's how we score goals. But mm. we've scored a, we've scored a couple like it, but those are the ones that stick in the memory. The other goals that aren't quite so pretty, Joe Edwards won at Ipswich, for example. We're not saying, oh, we scored a goal away at Ipswich. Everybody... Joe Edwards, the ball on the edge of the six-yard box and let him shoot as much as possible. But a goal's a goal. It still counts for the same. And Morgan Whitaker, I can see why people can get frustrated with him from shooting outside the box too much. He did it a lot on Wednesday at QPR. He did it yesterday. I've got some stats here, actually, because this is something that I've quietly been keeping to myself because it's I'm, I'm ready for it to be such an unpopular opinion. But I think Morgan Whitaker shoots outside the box too often. And I think that there are opportunities for him to make a different choice that might have a higher chance of resulting in a goal, but because he, he knows he can score them, that he has a go too often. So 
Morgan Whitaker has scored his nine goals this season um, with 80 shots, right? Rowe at Norwich has scored 10 in 41 shots. Somerville at Leeds has scored 10 in 62. Armstrong at Southampton has scored 12 in 62. Um, Smodic at Blackburn, 14 in 72. Broadhead, 8 with 50 shots. So to get the same amount of goals as other players in this division, he's having to have, in some cases, twice as many shots to do that. High volume. High volume of shots, right? He's having a lot of shots. He's having a lot of them outside the box. Yesterday, (laughs) he had, what, five shots outside the box and none of them hit the target, if you include the posters not hitting the target. He He also set up the second and scored the winner. So, yeah. but could he have set up three goals and scored the winner? Maybe. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I don't rate Morgan Whitaker, and I'm ready for people to go. What's this guy talking about? He's our best player. He's been our best performer. He's our top scorer. I think he's great. I love what he does. I'm just saying, as a, if there was an area of his game where could he become even better? Could his decision making with looking seeing what's around him and just making that decision in the moment like is there a higher percentage chance of us getting a shot on goal by me not shooting from range sorry archie i kind of railroaded your point there a bit but i don't i do think because we love him so much there is no room for evidence-based argument on this podcast never do it again um it's like (laughs) worse than swearing (laughs) it was um it's a good point well made The reason I came with evidence was because I am ready to get absolutely torn apart for this opinion. I like the way you put it. I like the way you put it. If he needs to work on something, it's shooting a bit less and distributing, which he can do well more. I'll take that as a criticism. If that's all he's got to learn, then we've still got a massive bargain. Yeah, it's well done, Alex, but... You could argue because there's no, especially when Hardy and Bundu went off, you know, there's no one really there up, up top. Fair point. That's a that's added context you know, that might be different for the, him. The final goal. Some of those was, other players. Yeah, the final goal was a finger beauty. But yeah, maybe he does shoot too often. But I'd rather see him shoot and try and try and score because I've had like. Uh, we had how many seasons we have with Danny Mayer, who hardly scored for us. This so-called best player in in League Two, um, we were, you know, grieving Graham Carey, and Danny Mayer hardly scored a goal for us. So mm. I'd rather see Morgan Whitaker. To, Ale- to Alex, chance. to Alex's point, Shuey mentioned it post Sunderland, and he doesn't doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't mention uh, shots outside of the area, but he does say that Morgan needs to get better his off at his off the ball work. Um, essentially, his positioning, uh, which is interesting. But yeah, it, it was just it, it struck me as interesting that those were the people that our fans went for, and I get, I get it. There's a logic to it, but I just don't see what that's going to do. I don't see what benefit we gain from that. I would love to see. Barley get a goal. I think he, he really yeah. he really needs a goal. And that strike, talking yeah, about shots say. from a long way out with low XG, that was an absolutely beautiful strike that he hit in the first half back across from, I think it was a set piece. Um, I'd love to see him get a goal. I think he needs a goal. 
I think it's about time. I don't think it's because he's been bad. I think he's, we've talked about this a lot. He's doing what he needs to do just because other people are perhaps shining a bit brighter. It's all relative, right? Mm. But I'd love to see him get a goal for himself as well Mm. as to get people who are giving him a hard time for based on not much, if you ask me off his back. He he was unlucky yesterday. There was there was that amazing kind of fizzing shot he hit on the volley, which was so close to going in in the first half. And then in this late in the second, he nearly he was played in. I think Finn mm. played him in, and he probably I don't know. It felt at the time watching it was kind of right in front of me. You feel you're feeling like maybe you should be doing better there, but um, it's a good yeah, I echo, I echo good you, yeah, and I, I and I echo your thoughts, Alex. I think he's doing well. I think he's doing well. And um, we need to get behind it. It still, it still concerns me that cupping of the year celebration a few a month back, probably now. It still, it still bugs me. I don't like it. It makes me think that there must be something going on up there if he's doing that in front of our fans. But um, we've had that discussion. Hey, look, a discussion we've had many times. Ben Way, he came back yesterday um, under the circumstance, pretty incredible circumstances that we've touched on. I thought he was quite good. He wasn't great, but he. Um, and what was encouraging, I spoke about a possibly a bit of toxicity amongst the fans. It's probably too harsh a word. Um, they gave him a, they gave him support and got behind him. And he was, um, to quote Mark Lovell, he was not falling on his ass. He showed a bit of strength. I, I think that it must be interesting being in the ground that you must see stuff that you don't pick up because he looked quite invisible. But I don't remember I mean, hearing his name. Can you look? Maybe you'll see in stuff. Can you look invisible? Can you look invisible? He he wasn't invisible. I understand how you could say that, but he he had a presence and he was he was holding up the ball and linking play well. I didn't really think of him as that kind of guy, but he was doing it. And I'll be honest, Ryan Hardy didn't have a vintage half an hour when he was on the pitch. Um, but yeah, and he, he nearly scored. He had a moment where he did really well. He had a, a, and it turned and got a shot away. Look, he's almost certainly going to be playing against Birmingham, isn't he? he, know, and concussion, he concussion protocol, we found out yesterday, is six days. I think it was Alex okay. who made the point that, that no doctor came up with that, did they? No, like, that was, people, that, that, that was people who run football clubs who came up with that. <laughs> so there is a logic that we could have Hardy back. Yeah, he's gone off with a real shiner, hasn't he? Um, all right, let's cap things off. It, you know, we've we've touched on the highs and the lows. We'll finish on a high. That was one of the best, if not the best. I mean, Mumba against Ipswich away will always be a special moment for me. It was just great, and away away last minute goal. But that was such a great home park moment yesterday. It was so much pressure on that goal on our goal to get over the line, and we did. In with the, yeah, like you say, Chris, I don't think it's actually been fully appreciated how good a goal that was. It's a fantastic, it's an incredible goal. It's an incredible it goal that I love comes from the most pony cross by Callum Wright you've ever seen I, in the world. And somehow he managed to, say, to turn yeah. water into wine. I was about to say, yeah. but this was meant to be the positive ending. It was crap, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, um, it? There's also a world where, I'm not saying the referee was good, but there's another world where that happened. Everyone goes nuts and you realise that he's blown his whistle. because. Mm. As, as did a bit of a job on yeah he did it, half, yeah. right so we we'll take the luck but the height like it's it, it's like a back heel from like waist height that he plays mm. into his ass 
who then has to control it, who then has to get yeah. the pace on it. And the guy has to be... It's it's a really, really, really good goal. The moment yeah. where Azaz looks like he's going to just roll it through for Morgan and he just checks. He even starts to make the movement and then just holds his leg. And you see the Rotherham players, they all flinch because they're ready for the pass. And then that extra second, he just holds off and then lifts it over them rather than plays it along the ground, removes any chance of them sticking a leg out. It puts it at a nice height for Whitaker to be able to do whatever he wants with it. If it's just rolled through on the ground, he's got fewer options, kind of like that barley chance you were talking about earlier. Mm. But when it's sat up like that, he can pretty much choose anywhere in the goal and he rolled it through. It was that moment of patience from Finazaz that was a real thing of beauty. Q limbs and the Mayflower. I joked about it last week, but it was um <laughs> it's only it's only a situation a foot a football stadium can present it can present itself in a football stadium rather and um you know you're hugging all these blokes behind you all hugging you and it's getting all personal and then five minutes later you're shaking their hands and you never see them again it's um <laughs> it's it's bizarre but um yeah fantastic all right welcome back to part two all right so um birmingham next up i'll be there again it's another six-pointer, so to say. And, you know, when we were last time with Tom, he was saying we need nine points out of QPR, Rotherham and Birmingham. That's no longer possible, of course, but it's possible get, to get seven, Chris. Um, we need to beat them, don't we? I think a lot of it will depend. Yes, we need to beat Birmingham, but we also need to look at what team we're going to be able to feel. Bundu's definitely going to be out. I think Hardy's almost certainly going to be out, although he is Scottish and they breed him hard up there. So I think what will be interesting is who's available to play. Um, you know, we are, we're not the strongest squad. If we've got two or three players out, it could make for a very interesting game. Yeah. Although Alex, when Ben Wayne, we won't go, uh, listener, we're not going to go into that debate again, I promise you. But when Ben Wayne did have his cameo of three, four games, the results did not drop off. So that kind of, that kind of, and we're so, and I think what we discovered from that experiment or circumstances, if you like, that we are so well, to slightly contradict, I guess, Chris's point, we are so top heavy with Azaz, Kundal, Whitaker, Bali, that actually maybe we'll be okay. I think you'd always rather lose our strikers than those attacking midfielders. They're our star, they're our star players. We're all talking about selling Morgan Whitaker for God knows how many millions of pounds. No one's really talking about selling Ryan Hardy for that much. He's a, mm. he's a good player. He's our player. We know how he plays. I think one of the benefits of Ryan Hardy is we know him so well. We know exactly what we can get out of him and how to play to his strengths. But like we saw at Leeds, Ben Wayne came on. And he moves like a centre forward. He can hold that position, even if he can't maybe give you that bit of magic. But if he can occupy people while other people can do what they do, then that's what we've got to do. And that's what we've got to deal with. And the fact that we've done it before, I think, is a benefit to us. If we're going to try and put a positive spin on it, this isn't all of a sudden, oh, my God, we got Ben Wayne. What are we going to do? We know what we're going to do because we've done it. And like you say, we've we got through it. We didn't fly through it, but we got through it. Um, Birmingham, ah, 
I don't know if it's a six-pointer. I don't think Rotherham was a six-pointer, to be honest. And I'll tell you why, because I think they're going to be so far behind everybody at the end of the season, they're not even going to come into the equation with us. Good good point. I think it was a six-pointer in terms of we have to win those kind of games. But I appreciate your they're probably not our immediate competitors. But we had to win that in terms of expected points. Or re- we, had, you know. we had to win it, but to make it a six-pointer, they have to be... Right around it. QPR was. QPR was. Birmingham, ah, you can't help but think they're going to have to sort it out at some point. They have been so miserable ever since they appointed Wayne Rooney. There's something toxic going on there, clearly. But we've got a score to settle. I think our players will be so up for it because that hurt that last-minute goal, especially Mm. who scored it and the way it was scored. We know we can do well against them because we were on top in that game until the very end we came not in the first half but in the second half we were the better side so we know we can do it it's on our patch there's no reason why we're not going into that game not just hoping for a win or looking for a win but feeling like it's going to be slightly disappointing if we don't get it not a disaster but slightly disappointing it also might play into even with a weakened squad changing the way we play during the game. I'm not sure Wayne is the most sophisticated tactician on the planet. And I think our manager, we might, I can see us changing up our positional play and maybe trying two or three different formations during the course of the game. Mark, Wayne Rooney at at home park, finally. Yeah, looking forward to it. He's the absolute miracle worker. He, uh, part of the... uh, (laughs) The reason why Birmingham lost eight away on the trot. And they've only just, thankfully, they've stopped that run. And they won at Cardiff recently. So they're not going to, you know. They play Leicester tomorrow. And they're behind us in the table now. So hopefully they pick up three yellow, uh, three red cards, sorry, on Monday. And a host of suspensions. And we can send them back up the motorway packing. You know, and uh, yeah, Wayne Rooney. He, it's interesting to see um, John Eustace in the frame for the Stoke job. You know, and he's Rooney's now changing their playing style, so they might be a team that we, you know, we are set up very well against. I'm hoping. I'm very positive. You know, our home form should enable us to really have that um, you know, real belief that we can win that game and uh, should be another good atmosphere at Home Park because we love these big uh, football personalities coming down to Home Park and really, you know, we'll show yeah, they'll, they'll bring in a big yeah, sure, well. It'll bring out the best or worst in our supporters depending on your opinion of amusing chance. Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the first We've got a break now, haven't we? Well, we've got a, not a break. It feels like a break. Actually, it's just a normal, normal five days or so until the next game. But after that, it's four games in the space of just over a week, eight days, I think. Um, point being, it's a start of a crucial, crucial run of games, isn't it? And it feels like the pressure's on in that respect that we need to kick things off, Alex, uh, with the win. But we're going to have to tighten up at the back. Yesterday, Rotherham were... They were, they were really poor up front. They didn't off, offer any threat, even then when we tried to gift it to them. They missed. They fluffed the lines with that header. We're going to need to be better next week. 
Yeah, and I think we will be because that was a scare, wasn't it? And that is an area of the team that we know we need to strengthen. We score goals. You look at the goals we've scored. You look at the number of goals we've scored in our goal difference. It's as good as an extra point if you're in a relegation fight. I think our defence is starting to look like it's kind of a two-tier defence in that we've got some players, especially with Galloway coming back. We talked about it in the week, Chris, who are clearly comfortable at this level and not just comfortable at this level, but able to excel at this level. And then we're trying to plug the rest of the gaps in that defensive line with people who perhaps just don't quite seem there. Joe Edwards is not a starting 11 player in this division, it seems, especially with his performance yesterday. Um, He's a great player to bring on. As I said in the week, QPR, he was the man I wanted to come on. Calm, captain, keep everybody going, keep it organised. But we need some. We need to get Saxon early back. Um, we need to perhaps look at having somebody else come in who can match the quality of Gibson and Galloway. I think if we can do that, we've got a really solid defensive unit there. But the defence, more so than anywhere else on the pitch, to use the cliche, your own uh, chain is only as strong as the weakest link. I think that is definitely the case with our defensive unit at the moment. And you only need one gap or one player for them to target and you can find yourself in a lot of bother. So yeah, yeah. we need to improve. Yeah, we kind of skipped over it in the in the Rotherham section, but that was a clear tactic of Rotherham yesterday that they were targeting both wing-backs, both full-backs, call on what you will, and having a heck of a lot of joy. <laughs> Point being January, I, I know it's really, really easy for me to say it feels huge. I'm not expecting another January like last year where we clearly kind of, um, you know, the board, or I think Juice admitted that asking for extra money, didn't he? Um, I don't think that's going to happen again this year. Shui said that there's little left, although they have referred to, you know, looking at players, looking at dossiers, looking at scouting reports. So I think there will be activity, just not as much. But those are the two areas to me that feel, feel, um, feel big. Although, Alex, you make the point, Saxon Early, he's, he feels like the one that could fit into that. And Brendan Galloway, Chris, is <laughs> kind of the comeback of all comebacks, isn't it? You guys mentioned it in your pod in the midweek, and maybe he's solving that problem. If he can stay fit, 100%, he just looks a class above. Um, mm. Alex's point is well made, that you can have a great team, but if you've got some weaknesses, people will exploit them. I can only repeat what I said. I think that the best way to beat Birmingham is to score more than them. And that isn't obviously how you win, but attack, create chances, assume you might concede. I'd be surprised if we sat back, put it this way. Yeah. No, it's, it feels like we know. Yeah, that's not that's not an option at home. Certainly not against a team like Birmingham, who feel they're within our kind of um, skill level range, so to say. Yeah, big big game, Mark. Mark, do you want to kick us off with a prediction? Three one. <laughs> to be to be fair, Mark, I Mark, I laughed at you at the beginning of the season. It's quite a high probability that it will be three one, such as our home form. So. Yeah, three one and. Uh... Hopefully a goal for Ben Wayne, eh? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Alex? 2-1 win for Argyle. But well, I don't know if we can ask for another last-minute win. I don't know if we've got it in us. 
as fans mm. as much as players. But I think it'll be even throughout the game and our home form and our home spirit and the home park crowd who've been good recently will will pull us through for that winner. Chris? 2-2. Two, two. Not that I want I it, like- but I can see it happening. <clears throat> I don't think you've ever predicted a win. That's Maybe okay. I haven't. That's okay. Yeah. Keep That's doing okay. what you're doing, Chris. <laughs> Keep doing yeah. I feel like I've used up on my luck on yesterday's um, thriller. So I'll pr- probably do a nil-nil. Did you predict a 2-2? Because a 2-2 is referred to as a Desmond after the um, the bishop. And Birmingham's hooligan firm is called the Zulu Army. Yes, that was exactly. Yes, that's that was my... No, no, oh. no. <laughs> I, I, I actually just think we're going to score and so are they. That was as sophisticated as my prediction process gets. And one all felt a bit... Uh, three, three felt crazy. So... That's given me so a good no. idea for a few follow-up quiz, uh, Alex. Oh, quiz. Thank you. Speaking of, we'll be back in a bit for the quiz. You can get on with your quiz. All right, welcome back to part three. It's time for a quiz. Over to you, Alex. I got some interesting trivia that I dug up when I was doing this quiz that aren't in the quiz, but I thought it was interesting. 17th of December today, not a good day for Plymouth Argyle. We On the 17th of December, we lost 7-0 at Brentford, which I was unfortunate enough to be there in 1994. But on the same day of the year, we also lost 9-0 at Stoke in 1960. So... Don't buy a ticket for a game on the 17th of December, Archie, if you're back in back in Plymouth and you, you want to see a good result. So that's my... This is, hang on a minute. This is from the person that not half an hour ago said, I don't put a huge amount of faith in <laughs> trends over the course of years. <laughs> and based, yeah. <laughs> based on a crushing defeat 60 years ago, you thought you'd gone full Russell Grant. Like, I have. Exactly. You know, the, the moon is in the wrong place. I've been ex- exposed exposed it's only taken about a third of the way through the season to be exposed as a total bs but anyway (laughs) the other thing i found out was that plymouth argyle mark played against lovell's athletic in 1945 which i was very impressed how about that having argyle playing against the team named after you in 1945 in plymouth home and away i think it was a two-legged cup it looks like it was the Western Football League Cup or something. Tell, tell me the quiz isn't named the starting eleven. What the levels the levels athletic starting <laughs> it, eleven. It, it, either. Imagine oh. I think it was made up entirely of a team of people called something level. They were probably <laughs> from some I think they might be from around Newport. I don't know. Mm. So they could all be related and actually be called Lovell and just live in the same mm. village. Anyway, moving on to the quiz. Wasn't hmm. me. Wasn't me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to name a significant result in Argyle's history. And I'm going to tell you the scorers. So that's all I'm going to tell you. And I want you to tell me who the opposition was. So, for example, if I said Azaz and Whitaker, you would okay. say Rotherham. Right, all right, okay. Right, so that's all we have to say, the opposition. You just Go have on. to say the team we were playing against when these people scored in a... Now, I'm not guaranteeing that these people haven't scored against 
in some <laughs> run-of-the-mill league game, but these are all significant results in our mostly recent history. Mostly right. recent history. Okay. And I'm going to go around. I'll go around and I'll just give you one each. Okay. Can't we shout out that I can just go on mute? <laughs> okay, so we'll start with who wants to go? Chris, I'll let you go first. I'll start you off with a nice easy one if you're struggling a bit today. Ronnie Morgay. Darlington. Point for Chris. <laughs> okay, we'll go round to Mark. Randall Edwards Azaz. Randall, got it. Edwards, Azaz, Portvale. Correct. Point for Mark. Archie, Kennedy, Jervis, Carey, Taylor. Newport. Correct. Fantastic. Back round to Chris. Chris, you should get this one. This, this has landed nicely on you. Pressure. Peter Halmosi. Oh, I know. Your best day ever, Chris. Leicester. Correct. Leicester City, yeah, the 2008. The, the Ian Holloway game. Oh, these... these. I didn't plan it like this, but I feel like these questions are falling perfectly for the people whose turn it is. Right, Mark. Andy Rogers. Derby County. Absolutely, yeah. FA Cup replay, baseball ground, 1984. Oh, this one's a bit more tricky, Archie. Marino Keith, Mickey Evans, Jason Bent. It's promotion, isn't it? In is it Cheltenham, possibly not my answer. It's going to be a promotion. It's not Marino. See them again, please. Marino Keith, yeah. two scored two. And Jason Mickey Evans, Jason Bent, four nil. Or oh, four. Okay, so four goals. Jason Bent didn't feature in that historic when we went up. With Bobby, we did, but not much. It's probably that then, isn't it? I've, whenever I talk myself out of an answer, it's always that. I don't know. I'm that's, I'm thinking it's the first promotion out of what is now League Two that season. And there was a significant 4-0. Anyone else? That right? I was going to say uh, Swindon, but it's not Swindon. Maybe Rochdale. No. So Rochdale is the game we won promotion at that season. But this, is, this is the game we won the title at. I was there on a Monday night. It was a rearranged fixture because it got snowed off. Cheltenham was at home. It was an away game. It was... Darlington, Hartlepool. Darlington. I'm not going to give you the point there, but yeah, Darlington. Okay. Again. Why did he not get the point? He got it right. Well, he he rattled off a few the first... He rattled off a few guesses before he got... Oh, yeah, true. One guess each. Yeah. One guess each. Sorry. Won't happen um, again. Honest. Who's next? Where? Who was that? That was Chris. Is next. Chris. Yeah. Chris. 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 Macaulay Gillespie. This is another one for the bingo card. Tom refers to it every other game. He did it against them. He can do it against anyone. Exeter. <laughs> Go on then, I'll throw it open to the to the panel. Chelsea. Chelsea, yes. Okay. There you go, I've saved myself. I've got one left. Has everyone had... Is this Mark, this is your third one. This is, yeah. Archie, have you had three? No. No. I was first. 
Yeah, so now Mark and I have got one left each, but if if not, that's all right, Mark. Oh, I'll just make one up for the last one then. Mark, Dwight Marshall, Steve McCall, Richard Landon, Paul Dalton, Steve Castle. Yeah, that was Hartlepool. That was the 8-1 at Hartlepool in 1994. Okay, Archie, let's make one up on the spot for you. Um, what, literally make up a game? Make up a <laughs> make up make, make up a scorer. Just I'll, shout out some random Argyle players. Let's give you let's give you a lovely easy one to finish on. This will just little cherry on the top here for you. Mickey Evans, David Frio. QPR. QPR. That was easier than I thought, guys. You did well there. Yeah. Lovely. Good Fine quiz. Another good one. Nearly <laughs> as good as Mark's nickname. Quiz. Which he still has more of that he is going to finish on another day. So the the crowd have demanded an encore. <laughs> Absolutely. We, uh, we will accept uh, listener entries. Please yeah. <laughs> send them via Twitter at Love All Lowdown. Thank you. Mark is, sitting, Mark is sitting in your Christmas jumper. This might be our last pod before Christmas. You know, I'd like to say to you guys, it's been a, um, it's been a joy doing this stuff with you thus far and um, looking forward to the new year. Happy Christmas. Yeah, Maybe see you next uh, week. Yeah, special festive greetings to our listener in the main flower. Thank you. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. All right, everyone. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you fairly soon.